0: Well, today we're going to continue in our Advent Conspiracy. We kicked this off last Sunday. If you were here with us, we had a little kickoff for that. This is simply our revisioning of the Christmas season to say, let's make this about Jesus. This birth that we're going to celebrate, this party that we're going to have on December 25th, it's called Christmas, the birth of Jesus. And we kind of messed that up in a lot of ways. And we're just saying we're going to conspire together to revision what this season's about. Try to make it about Jesus. If you have your Bibles with you today, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. Let's go there. If you need to use that Bible sitting in front of you, grab that. We're going to be on page 825. And I want to share a few words with you. A story that took place and what Jesus spoke that day. As you're turning there, if you're a note taker, I want to share a few things with you. Last week I started with this question and I want to again propose it to us, offered up to us. Will we allow Jesus, will we allow him to revision Christmas for us? Will we do that? I mean this coveted holiday that we have and, and we just do it our way, right? Individually and in homes. And, but this question, would we allow Jesus to say, it's your birthday, how do you want to have it? What would you call us to do, and so this question, will we allow Jesus to revision Christmas for us and so that 's really the question that 's behind our conspiracy. Somebody first service said, and somebody who had gone to our church but was here last year said, "What does conspiracy mean again?" And yeah, I know it has negative connotations and things like that it 's just some people getting together and doing some things right and, and sometimes that could be evil, but this is a good thing and So if you want to know what Advent Conspiracy is about, it's on this blue piece of paper. I'd ask you not to read it right now, but if you're new to us or you can't remember what we're doing, this really sums it up, what we're trying to do with this season. Also, you'll see that there's a pink piece of paper. I'm going to ask that you grab that real quickly. If you'd grab that and then just put it near you. Let's not look at it right now, but let's just have it close because at the end of the service here, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond and think regarding the words of Jesus, and part of that will be this pink piece of paper. So keep it near and dear. Are you with me on that? All right. That's what we need for now. Well, last week I told you some of our history with this thing called Advent Conspiracy and some of our history with this season. And what we've done is we said, you know what, this Christmas good news is more than what happens in this building. It happens in our community. We want to be part of that. It happens beyond Albany and we've talked about going to Mexico and we've gone to Sierra Leone and and things like that. In the past seven years, we've taken what is the busiest season in the calendar and said, wait, if we revision this and we focus on the loving God, good things can happen. We talked about Christmas compassion, and I'll talk a little more about that today, but what we've done in the last seven years, and even the last 15 years, is we've walked these streets, and we've entered homes in our neighborhoods, and we've brought gifts, and we have served people in our community. Many of you have been a part of that. We're going to do that again. We've sent, in the last seven years, 100 different people to Mexico, specifically on our missions trips, and some of you have gone on your own, things like that, but we have sent uh, Groups from this church to go and walk the streets of San Luis and Tabasco and to go into homes and show the love of God and to serve. And then we've also put in eight clean water wells in Sierra Leone. Place where clean water is a massive problem, leading to many deaths. We have been able to put in eight clean water wells in the last seven years. We've been able to start a church and a Christian school over there. We've helped fight against the work or the virus of Ebola. I just got news this week that they were celebrating in the capital city of Freetown saying Ebola is gone, praise the Lord. And so we are grateful for that. But we have been a part of that. We have been a part of that. We get to be part of God's work not just here in this building and in this community but in that third world country on the west coast of Africa where we've been able to serve and give and show the love of Jesus. All of this happens because you and me say, you know what, this season isn't about me, me, me. It isn't about stacking our own Christmas trees with presents for us. Now, it's not saying we don't do that. I want you to know I'm expecting some Christmas gifts from my family. Daughter in the front row, pay attention to that. Okay, I'm I'm expecting some presents, right? I mean, there's part of giving and receiving, and and it's not that we say no to that. We just say, you know, what if we spend less on ourselves so that we can create space to give more to others? And so, anyway, we have taken a season that is very selfish-oriented and said. It's really about Jesus and giving, and we want to be a part of that. And so for the past few years, we have conspired together. We've retold this Christmas story. We've lived this out, showing that there is a loving God who gave. Now, a reminder has been mentioned earlier this morning. We're going to take a special offering next Sunday, next Sunday, big Sunday for us, where we... Our, uh, our plan, our desire, our dream, our goal is that we would have $20,000 above our regular offerings. And so some of you are putting in your offerings today and you will do this next week as well. But above and beyond that, that you would create space and say, I want to give specifically to our projects where we go into our neighborhoods and to Mexico and to Sierra Leone. And so next week, big day for us, plan to show up, uh, plan to come prepared uh, if you can, be thinking through that this week. Let, let me talk about our theme again real quickly. Our theme for this year's conspiracy is this, keep calm and choose to conspire. We've been giving out little cards. Hopefully you'll get one of those. Some of you have seen these shirts and you can get one of these if you want. But this idea where we are going to keep calm in a very busy season and then choose to conspire, to revision what Christmas is all about, to retell The story of Jesus coming to earth. Well, we got this phrase, obviously. This is not just us being smart and tricky and making this up. But this phrase, as some of you know, came out and really uh, came to the public knowledge in the last 10 years. This keep calm and do whatever phrase. And as, as we were looking at this... Uh, there is a great history behind it, and I just got to tell you some of it. I think you should look this up and, and just understand the story even more. I don't have time to tell all of the story, but I want to tell you some of it. And it took place in World War II. In, in Great Britain in, in the late 1930s, they understand that they are at war against Germany. And so the British government, they commissioned the production of three propaganda posters that would reassure their citizens to keep up morale in a time of war. Because they know that it's going to be a time of poverty, most likely. It's going to be a time of disaster. And so the government said, let's produce these posters to uh, promote uh, positivity in our nation. In September 1940 then, the United Kingdom was under attack, aerial attack by the Germans for a period of nine months. If you can just imagine that. Nine months, just hearing planes fly by, bombing your homeland. This happened, started in September 1940. In the city of London, the capital of the United Kingdom, the bombings went on for 76 consecutive nights. Just imagine that if you would 76 consecutive nights just bombings like when is this ever going to end 20,000 deaths were reported in what was called the London Blitz 20,000 that's nearly half of our city here in Albany being uh, losing their lives through these bombs First poster that came out was actually before the bombings in September 1939 And it said this, your courage, your cheerfulness, your resolution will bring us victory. They started placing these posters all out and just saying, here's the attitude we need to have. You need to be of courage. You need to be of cheer. You need to be resolved. And what's going to happen is that is going to bring us victory through this. Just this idea, they were conspiring together and saying, let's promote this message. Second poster came out shortly after and said this, freedom is in peril defend it with all your might again everywhere you could see throughout the cities these posters came up freedom is in peril defend it with all your might a third poster was intended for use only in the case of the invasion of the germans if they are going to actually enter our land and start taking us over we've got one more poster that we're going to put out but fortunately that did not need to happen There was victory, the Germans get pushed back, the war ends, and these posters that were ready to be made, most of them got recycled. But the message on them simply said this, keep calm and carry on. If you can imagine this, we are prepared for the Germans to enter our land, to take us over. And if that happens, we're just going to plaster these words, keep calm everyone and carry on. Fortunately, that poster did not have to go out everywhere because of what happened and so most of these posters get recycled. A few of them get left over. A lot of the ones that were left over were found 10 years ago. The story gets told. It gets unearthed and brought up. And this phrase then has been used by a variety of groups just saying keep calm and, and, and do things like choosing to conspire. Or sometimes it's quite crazy. There's some fun ones that have gone along with this. Such a, such a poster that had a significant meaning and, and came from darkness. People have turned it into this. Keep calm and eat chocolate. Keep calm and eat cookies. Yeah, you eat chocolate. Good. Keep calm and math on for you math majors. Keep calm and love Minions. Keep calm and use the force, right? Keep calm and call Batman. I mean, and there's so many of these just out there. I found one, though, that I found is my personal favorite, and it is this one. Keep calm and eat bacon. Like, <laughs> Man, that's a good life motto right there, huh? When life gets bad, keep calm and eat bacon. But uh, anyway, we, then we d- took this and said, you know what? We'll keep calm as well. In a sense, there is a battle for our hearts and our minds in this very busy season and we're saying let's keep calm and choose to conspire together as brothers and sisters. Well last week we looked in Luke chapter 10 we looked at the story of two people if you remember Jesus comes into the house of Mary and Martha one was frantic this is Martha one sits at the feet of Jesus and listens to him and worships and we just looked at that as our choices in this busy season you could be quite frantic like Martha, or you could just sit at the feet of Jesus. And I'd hope that you'd be reminded of that. There were times this week when, when life was getting frantic, whether in my personal life or with work or whatever, I just, I need to unplug a little bit and just talk to Jesus and listen to him and journal and write out my prayers and just and slow down because it, it's so easily we can go to this mode of getting frantic And just keep calm, Scott. And we looked at this phrase last week, keep calm and choose to worship, as part of our conspiracy. Just keep calm and choose to worship. To unplug and sit at the feet of Jesus at times, read his word, listen to him. You see, our conspiracy really starts with Jesus at the center of who we are and what we need. And this is why we talked about this last week when we kicked out kick this off our conspiracy has to start with Jesus being at the center of who we are and what we do if not we're just going to become frantic we're just going to do a bunch of things over the next couple weeks and then a couple months and then go man that was a miserable season again but if we can make Jesus the center of this season of everything we are everything we do it helps us to keep calm I love this image that we have on the stage here, that at the center of all of this is the cross. This is where Jesus goes. Out of that comes compassion in our community. Out of that goes going to missions trips in Mexico. Out of that goes to serving and going to Sierra Leone. But it starts with Jesus being at the center of who we are and what we do. Even as you reflect on your last week, you say, oh, man, I'm already starting to get frantic. Then keep calm. Keep calm. Choose to worship, keep Jesus at the center of what we're doing. Now, today what I want to do is I want to show you from this passage in Matthew chapter 20, a story that Jesus is involved in, Jesus' words, and then I want you to apply them to your own heart today. Matthew chapter 20, page 825. Let's look at these. Let's start at verse 17. And it says this, And Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, so he took the twelve disciples aside And on the way he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, flogged, and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. And they're saying, What? What is that all about? I mean, we're expecting you to be this king, and you're talking about crucifixion, and you're talking about being flogged, getting beaten by them. What, what are you talking about, Jesus? Jesus lays on them this heavy news. The way of Jesus, I look at that, the way of Jesus is difficult, isn't it? It usually ends up with a cross, even for us when we follow him. It ends up in difficulty, but it is good. It is still good. The other side of that is the empty tomb, right? So the disciples, they don't understand what's going on. We can look back 2,000 years later and go, of course we understand what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about his crucifixion coming up. They didn't get that. They didn't see that coming. They thought Jesus is going to overtake the Romans. He's going to be the king of their nation. He's going to uh, do great things for their earthly kingdom. Now watch this, verse 20. As he's saying these things, Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, these this is the mother of James and John, she came up to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. She envisions that he'll be sitting on a throne in Jerusalem, that he'll need a right-hand guy and a left-hand guy. She says, would you take my sons and let them be that? I mean, I'm this mom, and I want great things for my sons. Now, her sons had been following Jesus for up to three years here. These are two of his top guys She kind of wants to be the mom of that. She wants to be able to say, my sons are sitting there with the king. She wants acknowledgement. She wants power in essence. I started listening to the mom and I thought, you know what? Isn't there in all of us an internal desire to be great? Think about that for a second. Isn't there an internal desire to be great? You're like, "I, I kind of want that. I want to be acknowledged as the hero, the stud, the wonderful person, whatever it is. I want that at home, I want that at work, I want that at school. We just kind of have this in us. And I don't think it's all bad. There's certainly brokenness that wants us to to get more fame than we deserve, to more acclaim than we deserve. But I think that some of that is a good thing. I know it's part of our brokenness, but I even think it's part of the good news of Jesus. Jesus says this, listen, I have come to give you life and a bad life. Is that what he says? (laughs) No, he said, I've come to give you life and life abundantly, the fullest life possible. I want you to have a great life in essence. Now, it may lead to a cross, but I want you to have a great life now and for all eternity. We hear words like this, that we are more than conquerors. That's greatness. Jesus says, I I want you to, this is part of the good news. Mom here, she has this desire, and she says these things. Jesus, would you let my kids be the studs with you and reign in your kingdom? Verse 22. Jesus answered, you don't know what you're asking for. (laughs) Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? Are you ready to go down the path that I'm ready to go down? The guys said to him, we are able. He said to them, then you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and my left is not for mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. In other words, he says, uh, you will have a similar life to me. You will drink a cup of persecution and toughness. Uh, I'm going to the cross. You're going to get something like that actually now. Now, if you want to read some of this later, in Acts chapter 12, write this down, Acts chapter 12, we read the end of James's fate. He's with King Herod, and King Herod puts him to death. It wasn't too long after Jesus' resurrection that this happened. Revelation chapter 1, John is saying, hey, I'm writing this, and I got a revelation from Jesus, but here, I'm on this island because of religious persecution. I am here in isolation. It is not going well with me because here... I'm, in essence, drinking the cup that Jesus drank of suffering. Anyway, verse 24. All that to give you a little background here. In verse 24, And when the ten heard of what's going on with James and John, when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. And you would be too. What do you guys, why do you guys think you should be up there with Jesus? Verse 25, But Jesus called to them and said, You know, That the rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. Power. Verse 26. It shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. And then he says this about himself. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life then as a ransom for many. Jesus says, you want to be great? You're going to have to serve. You want to be uh, first? You're going to have to be the slave. And I want you to know, here's where I'm going. I am going to serve, give my life to, as a ransom for many. In Philippians chapter 2, we read then, yes, that Jesus went all of this way, even to death on a cross, but God exalts him. God says, you know what? That was the way to go. I'm going to bless you now. As I look at this, I, I would have us consider a couple things today and for this season, and it would be this one: I want us to keep calm and choose to serve. I think this is part of our conspiracy, is that we need to, in a frantic season, keep calm and choose to serve, to serve, because this is the way. Of Jesus. Now, I will say this. This is one of our church's greatest strengths. If somebody were asking me to describe our church, I would say this is a serving church. When they hear there's a need in our church or in our community or even around the world, our church would step up and say, let me get involved. And many of you work for places that really just serve our community. We are good at this. It's not bragging. This is just an assessment of our church. And I believe this happens because we put Jesus first. We put Jesus first and say, you are a servant. You gave your life as a ransom for many. I just want to do the same thing everywhere I go. I I want to be like you and serve like you do. And as I notice this, Jesus pursues greatness in the subversive and conspiring manner of serving. He pursues greatness by serving. Jesus could have lorded it over and said, listen, I was there and I created everything. But he says, no, I want to just show you the great, uh, my greatness in this conspiring manner of serving. And he says, I'm going to serve. Greatness in the kingdom of God comes through humble service. Now let's look at verse 26. Verse 26. Verse 26, Jesus says these words, whoever would be great among you, And there's a little something in you that wants that. And that part's broken. But there's also, I've called you to greatness. And there's a good part of that in you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. It's the first word I want to look at here. The first word is servant. Let's look at this word. If you're taking notes, on the back of your notes there, let's look at the word servant. That's a nice word, isn't it? To be called a servant. You would take that. No, I'm a servant. means simply to minister executing a command of another, to go in to minister to someone. In the Greek, it's the word diakonos. It's where we would get our word for deacon, an office in the church. 30 times in the New Testament, just write this down, 30 times in the New Testament, this word is used as a way to say uh, you are to minister, to serve one another. So when we have people serving coffee, they are serving. And we've got people in the nursery and working with our kids right now. And they are serving. They're they're servants. They're ministering to us. Now, as a Christ follower, it has an implication. I want you to write this down. As a Christ follower, the implication is, I am called to execute the commands of Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, I am called then, as a servant to him, to execute his commands. And so then the Bible, as you read this, is full of commands to love and to clothe and to give food. You are to minister. You are to care for. You are to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with God. The, The Bible is just filled with these commands given to us from God. And we as servants then are called to minister. Because He's your Master You say, God, I I will follow you. And he says, then serve. If you're a Christian today, what you are then is somebody who said, Jesus, I need you. Yes, I need the forgiveness of your sins, but I'm turning my life over to you. And when you turn your life over to Jesus, then you become a lifelong minister. You become a lifelong servant to execute the commands of Jesus. And So this is this word servant. It's a nice word. There's another word in verse 27, then. Look at this one. We might not like it as much, but Jesus says this Whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Let's look at the word slave for a minute. The word slave, much more of an abrasive word here. I don't necessarily want to be anybody's slave, right? I'm no one's slave. I'll serve. That's a nice thing, but I'm no one's slave, right? The idea here is to give oneself to another, to give oneself to another. The idea is you belong to someone. In the Greek, it's the word doulos. It would mean a bond servant, a servant who is tied to somebody, who belongs to somebody. The interesting thing here is this word is found 127 times in the New Testament. This word is used four times more to describe who we are and what we're called to do. This isn't just you go minister, but you belong to somebody. You've given your life to somebody. So when Paul writes his letters, often he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Guess which word he's really using. He's saying, Paul, a slave, a bondservant. I have given my life to Christ Jesus. When James writes his letter, he says, James, a servant or a bondservant, a slave a due loss, I have given myself to Jesus. When Peter writes his letters, he starts with, Peter, I am a bondservant of this Jesus. When Jude writes his letter, guess what he says? I am this bondservant. The idea behind this then is this. I'm called to give myself completely to Jesus. Not just serve at the coffee bar every once in a while. Not just be a greeter once in a while. Not just hand out a few boxes of food, but I am to give myself completely to Jesus. You see, this word slave that Jesus is talking about, this word doulos in the Greek, it's actually a description then of a Christian. It's actually the description of a Christian. There was one time when you said, Jesus, I follow you, I belong to you, forgive me of my sins, and I'm all yours. At that moment, you became a slave, a bondservant of Jesus. You belong to him. It wasn't that you're just going to go do things for him, but that you belong to him. And whether that happened when you were a little kid, or if that happened just last week, and you said, I'm giving my life to Jesus, you became his you completely belong to him. Now, verse 26, let's look at this again. Jesus says, I want you to know, followers, it, shouldn't, it sh- shall not be among you. This idea of pursuing greatness by lording it over people, by power, by coercion, that's not how we're going to become great. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, minister, minister. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, a bondservant, someone who gives himself completely to another. And then he says this, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, I didn't come to be ministered unto. I didn't expect to come down and say, you guys wash my feet because I'm the king of the earth and I've been here for all this time. He, He said, no, I didn't come to do that, but I came to serve. I came to minister, even to the point of giving my life as a ransom for many. You see, here's Jesus. He, here's our Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our Master, and our example. He says, I came to serve you. I came to go to the cross for you. This is what I did for you. You then, when you said, I give myself completely to you, he says, then sign up with me and follow me. And let's give ourselves for others. Sometimes it will be ministering in what may seem like a small way, but sometimes it may even cost us our life. You see, if you're a Christian here today, if God's life has been born in you through your faith in Jesus Christ, then you are called, yes, to be a servant and minister. But even more than that, you are called to completely give yourself to Jesus You said that at one point. You said, I'm yours, Jesus. But here's the reminder. Jesus says, if you want to be first, here's what it is. Following me means you're going to give yourself completely to me. Yes, you can give out a plate of cookies, but you you have given me your entire life. Follow me. Just want to ask for some of you, have you done that? Sometimes we just say, you know what, I just want to do good things and I'll give some money and I want to hand out some food and I just want to do nice things. But really, the call of Jesus is have you given your life to me completely? Have you let me wash you of your sins? Have you let me include you into my family? Have you let me give you my spirit? And if you have, then you're mine. And I got a great life, great plans in store for you. Let me tie some of these words together in a passage in Romans chapter 12. Would you just write these down? You can look this up later. In Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul, for 11 chapters, just explains the gospel of Jesus and explains all the theology. And then he gets to chapter 12, and he says this in verse 1. I appeal to you by the mercies of God... To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual worship. I want you then, in light of everything God has done for you, you give your life to him. And this is worship of him. When you say, God, I'm all yours, he says, that's worship. That's better than a couple songs. That's just a life of worship. Give yourself to him. Give yourself completely to him, the Apostle Paul says. Then he starts talking about different gifts and he says, I know that some of you in in the church have a gift of teaching and some of you have a gift of encouraging and and, and showing compassion and things like that. He says, some of you have a gift of serving. Verse 7, he says this, some of you have a gift of serving. And if you are gifted in this service, then do it. If you have this gift of ministering, you do it. Now specifically, he's talking to a few. And I'd look in here and I'd say, you know what, I know some of you have this gift of serving. When you hear of opportunities, you're the first one to sign up. In fact, you even sign up before we even have sign ups. All right, you start finding ways to minister that we didn't even know were ways. He says, there are a few of you that are gifted in this. And you're gifted in ministering. And this is the word diakonos here, this idea. Some of you have this gift of ministering, so please do it. Talking to the few. But then when he gets to verse 11, he says, it's not that the rest of you are off the hook here. In verse 11, he says this, I want you to know, and this is for every believer of Jesus, don't be slothful, don't be lazy. In fact, be passionate, be fervent in your spirit, and you all are to serve the Lord. Guess what? That's not the word, just minister, minister. That's you all give your lives completely to the Lord. Don't be lazy, but passionately give yourselves. Every single follower of Christ, give yourselves completely to the Lord. And so there's this idea of we're called to minister, and some of you are really gifted at it, and we're going to practice this. But there's this idea that if you are a believer in Jesus, that you are his bond servant. In essence, you are his slave. And he says, you have given me your life completely. Let's keep going together. And So as we conspire together this holiday season, first we see Jesus. First we slow down and see him and worship him and look to him. But as we see him then as the king, we start to see ourselves as the servants, even the slaves of him, the bondservants of him. Because he then is this one who is worthy of our life. He is the one that is worthy of our best. He is the one who is worthy of all our service. So it leads me to a so what? What are we going to do with this? Jesus says these words and he says if you want to be great and all of this you're going to have to serve and minister. But really you're giving your life completely to me. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, here's the call to give your life completely to him. So what? What, what are we going to do with that? I want you to hear a few ways that you can get involved and serve. A few ways that you can minister. A few ways that you can conspire with us to show the love of God in our community. I'm going to ask the leader of our Christmas Compassion. Uh, uh, what is it? What is it? Christmas compassion, it's a something. Bethany Hale to share with us. Would you welcome Bethany up here? Our effort, Christmas compassion effort. That was the word I'm looking at. Thank you, Bethany, for being here and leading Christmas compassion. I want each of you to grab out this pink piece of paper, if you would. I asked you to keep this nearby. Let's grab this. Because Bethany's going to lead us in looking at this and talk about some of the ways we can serve as Jesus followers. So, would you tell us a little bit about ways we can get involved, please?
1: Absolutely. So, we have uh, listed on here six different kind of ways that we uh, want to have people volunteer to serve. Um, so, you may have noticed already the table out in the hall. We are already collecting food and blankets and uh, just preparing for uh, getting all that stuff we need to hand out to people. And so there's a couple different things. You can say, yes, I'll bring food, or yes, I'll bring a blanket, or uh, yes, I want to make cookies. And those are what we'll hand out on the 12th when we deliver cookies and cards to our neighbors around here. And I just want to tell you that I was convicted, uh, I don't know if it was last year or sometime recently, but um, that I don't want to just give them my leftovers, the stuff in my cabinet that I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to use this, so I'll I'll donate that because that's not really... That's not really giving for me. And so I was just convicted that I want to give things that I would actually want to receive. So uh, I don't know if I can just challenge you with that, but not to say you can't clean out your cabinet of stuff you haven't used, but also make sure it's stuff that you would want to use.
0: So we're going to, we've already started that. We're gonna, you can bring those throughout the week. You can bring those next Sunday. Also, if, if you look out here, that has started. We also have a table in the main hall because our students at Albany Christian School, preschool through eighth grade, will be doing that in the next couple weeks as well. And so they get involved in that. Uh, but that is, for the most part, what fills these boxes that we will hand out later in December.
1: Yes. Okay. And then the next part we have on here is to help serve uh, DHS. So the past couple of years, the Department of Human Services has asked us to help them uh, coordinate the Christmas giving program. So there's families uh, that are involved in their services that can't afford to provide a a gift to their kids. And so they sign up with us. uh, They'll bring an application to us and We'll put them on a list, and we have people who don- donate gifts, uh, different organizations throughout the community, and then we help uh, figure out who they go to and deliver them to them. And so that's just one way that we're kind of helping partner with them. And so we need people to help take applications and make phone calls and then help organize the gifts as they come in. And I already have people who have signed up and are going to be here this week even um, taking applications. And so I just, I'm just i so thankful that there's people who are already having the gift of service and jumping in and doing that
0: yeah good I think this is pretty fascinating isn't it that one these are our neighbors but here's this government agency and I don't know if we when talking about this we're going to get them in trouble or not but they have asked the local church they said we know that you care would you help us and so for some of you that have that burden for foster kids and foster care system uh, this is a great way to get involved But uh, the communities coming to the church, how neat is that, saying, Jesus followers, please help us.
1: Okay, so then we're talking Christmas Compassion Week. That's December 7th through 12th. That's the week leading up to our delivery day, which is Saturday the 12th. And there's a lot of stuff that has to happen that week. We have to move all the food and organize it and figure out what we might still need to fill the boxes. And there's just uh, little details that have to be worked out. Some phone calls need to be made to remind people and... Uh, volunteers and the people will will be receiving the boxes and so we need lots of help that week uh, throughout the week to get everything done
0: okay thank you
1: Um, and then delivery day Saturday we'll be meeting here and uh, delivering boxes so we'll have people that go in groups and deliver the different boxes that we have and then we'll also have groups that go around and give out cards and cookies to our neighbors and just making that um, an effort to show them that we love them and we want to serve them and then this year we're doing, um, we have a special spot there that if you want to give a box to somebody, so maybe you know a friend, a family even, a neighbor, coworker, somebody who is struggling this season, we want you to put their name down and you can deliver a box to them because we want this to be a relational thing that, that shows God's love to them.
0: Yeah. So I hope you hear that. That would be new for us. But if you know of somebody, you've heard of somebody being sick, losing a loved one, losing a job, whatever that might be, and you know that they could uh, use a touch, why don't you write that down? And, and if you want to deliver that too, that would it be helpful. We want to enable you, to equip you to show this love to others.
1: And then this uh, next one, each year our staff and elders have... Uh, together these little care packages for seniors, people who are either shut-ins or widows, uh, just to show them that we love them and we remember them. And this year we'd like to have you guys kind of help us with that. And so if you are interested in helping minister to our seniors by uh, either serving to prepare the packages or delivering one, um, we'd love to have you help with that. Or if you know somebody that You'd like to give a senior care package to either a friend, a neighbor, again, somebody that goes to our church here. Uh, We'd love for you to write your name down there and and just do that personally.
0: Yeah, again, our elders and our staff will be a part of this. But certainly we want to, again, equip you to be the servants as well. So if you know of somebody they would benefit from that, a senior, please put that down and we will uh, work in contact with you.
1: And then one of the most important ways we need you to serve is obviously through prayer. And so each year we have a group of people that meet here on our delivery day morning, and they pray for uh, each group going out to deliver boxes and each family that will be receiving a box. And then they also pray for uh, the requests that come back in. Uh, Last year, we started a Christmas Compassion email chain, and so we had requests coming in throughout this whole season as people were signing up for boxes and things, and so uh, we could put you on that, and you can be praying even from today, Uh, but we need people to pray. You don't have to come here on that day. You can pray at home. You can pray um, all throughout this season, and we really desperately need those prayers.
0: Yeah, thank you. Prayer Warriors, great way to sign up right there. Lastly, it looks like there's one more box down there. Yes,
1: so we need your name and phone number and uh, email too so we can contact you and figure out how we can get you plugged in to help us. And then you can drop these in the joy box in the back. And then after the service, I'll be at the back table if you have any questions and would like any more information.
0: Great. Bethany, thank you for serving us and the Lord and our community. Let's give thanks one more time. Thank you. Let me just close with a couple thoughts here today as we look at this. Again, this goes back to we look at Jesus first and we hear his example and he says, I did not come to be served but to serve and he served us. It's like then, Lord, what do you want me to do? There are ways that I can minister but Lord, ultimately, I, I just, again, saying I will follow you. My life is yours. Here's a question I'd like to close with today. Here's a question. It says this as you allow Jesus to revision Christmas and this entire season for you, how will you choose to serve? How will you choose to serve? It's a question I'd like you to consider today. It's a question I'd like you to be considering in the coming days, even as you fill out that pink piece of paper. Lord, how do I serve? And it's not just simply, okay, I will bring in cookies, and I'll show up on that day, and I will make those phone calls. It it could involve that, but I I was thinking through this. It's really, how will I serve? Will I I serve because I'm guilted into this, or will I serve as a response to Jesus? Will I serve as out of love for Jesus? Will I serve with gratitude? Will I serve as one who has already been served by Jesus? And before we close today, i just ask that you'd bow your heads with me, that you'd reflect, and that you'd let the Lord even speak to you. How? How will I choose to serve? In what boxes will I mark off? Yes, but will I choose to serve out of a worshipful heart, out of a grateful heart? Having been mindful that Jesus has already served me. Let's just reflect for a moment. Lord, part of me wants to just mark the same things I've marked in previous years. But I would want to hear fresh from you. I want you I want to allow you to revision this whole season for me and for my brothers and sisters. And so would you speak to every single one of us? And would you show us how to serve, in what areas to serve, but with what kind of a heart we serve? Jesus, I, I thank you that you came with this example. I mean, you're, you're the one who's always existed. You are the one who created everything, and you came in humility to serve me and to serve us. And you call me then to minister. You call that for my brothers and sisters. And ultimately, you call us to follow you completely, to give ourselves completely to you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, completely to you. We need your help with this because we are in the middle of a frantic season. I mean part of us just wants to do the things that are quickest and easiest, but that's not what you did. You went to the cross on our behalf. So help us to get your heart, help us as we spend time with you here and throughout the week, help us to hear All the ways that you would want us to serve our neighbors, our co-workers, and our classmates, and our family. Help us to give our hearts again completely to you. God, I, I thank you that you even today would want all of us to say, I'm yours. But even for the first time, someone may say, God, I need you. I'm all yours. And that you accept us and you forgive us. You include us into a family and then you call us into this great lifelong pursuit of ministry. Giving ourselves to you. So speak to every single one of us. As we put you in the center and as we worship you. We love you. We love you Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.